Okay, folks, good to see you today. Hope you've had a hope you've had a great day as you're getting started like myself and as as we're sort of closing out a quarter here of our Sunday school work, today's emphasis is on Thanksgiving and uh, what a wonderful subject matter, okay? So uh, if you have your study book or study guide, I'm going to start on page 111 with some introduction stuff, and then the lesson itself will be on page, beginning on page 114. And then if perhaps you don't have a book and you just want to open your Bible, it'll be Psalm 100. So uh, you can feel free to get uh, whatever course of follow-along you have. You can find that as we get started, okay? Psalm 100, and uh, it is one of the shorter psalms, but it is packed with opportunity there, okay? So uh, with all of that in mind, let's pray as we get started, okay? Father, what a privilege it is for us to come before you, be able to be invited into your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you love us in such a way, and you're the sheep of the or you're the shepherd of the sheep of the pasture. Thank you, Lord, you know us. Now, Lord, bless our time of study. Give us a spirit of understanding, and help us, Lord, go out of this place today with a Spirit of thanksgiving in all that we say and do, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And again, like I say, the study being on thanks. On page 111, uh, page 111, what you can see there as it's being introduced, hey, fishers, come right on in. Good to see you. Uh, we're studying Psalm 100, Psalm 100, okay? Uh, great to see you. Uh, those of you who have a book, 111, uh, talking about thanks and thanksgiving, uh, the writer, before he got into the subject matter we're studying today, said, spend much time on social media and you might think we're a thankless people. Maybe it's because we too often compare ourselves with others and the grass may seem greener on the other side of the fence or perhaps... Uh, we just haven't lifted our eyes quite high enough to see the giver of all good things uh, whom we should be thankful to and for. And I like that so much as I was reading this introduction uh, this week in preparation till I said that is something that maybe uh, we have been guilty of from time to time. And uh, just needing to remind ourselves of the greatness of our God, okay? Yes, I have been unthankful in my lifetime. I'm ashamed of that. And I catch myself, if I'm not careful, uh, possibly, and it's not near as often as it used to be, of maybe thinking there's just one other thing could make me happy. But folks, let me tell you something. I don't know of anything else I need but Jesus. And when I think of that honestly, uh, he, he is just all, all, all we need. Okay, give thanks to God, page 114. I would give you out other books, but we're out of them, so I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles to, 100, uh, to the 100th Psalm. But now I'm going to read some things out of the notes along and along. Uh, 
uh, again, part of his introduction, the, the writer said, when Americans hear the word Thanksgiving, it's tough to think about anything but the holiday. And that's true, is it not? Thanksgiving just seems synonymous with the fourth Thursday of November. And uh, because of that, you can look calendars out perpetually for years to come and know that on this day, it, you will be celebrating Thanksgiving. Well, what he's trying to get us to understand is that every day should be seen as a day of thanksgiving. Some have even said it's a day of thanks living. And because of that, uh, counting our blessings uh, is far more uh, encouraging than counting our thoughts of what could maybe be something that might make us happy. The writer talked about a family experience uh, of living in Central Asia uh, for a decade. Uh, he said while there, there was Thanksgiving, but they had to order the turkey and the canned goods months early. Why? Because uh, Thanksgiving in every other culture is not what it is in the American culture. However, he said what they missed there concerning Thanksgiving was no extended family you know, the things that some people think you have to have uh, to have Thanksgiving, and that is football and the various other things, but yet and still learning to be thankful for where we are. He said Thanksgiving really happens because the giving of thanks uh, is what brings satisfaction to our souls. We give thanks not so much because of the things we receive, uh, but because of the one who gives Amen. Not because uh, of the one who receives, but because of the one who gives. Now, let's look in the passage I told you about, Psalm 100, verses 1 and verse 2 is where we'll look first, okay? Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Now, other uh, passages from... Uh, other Bibles will read that a little differently. However, the emphasis there being on the Lord of whom we're to be shouting triumphantly to and for and serving our Lord with gladness. The writer talks about the 100th Psalm as a hymn of descriptive praise, a psalm of thanksgiving. Well, reading the Psalms, it'll greatly open our eyes when we read them if we think about the context in which the writers uh, would be writing. Now, Psalm 100 is the only Psalm explicitly identified as a song of thanks. Uh, now, for the last couple of Wednesday nights, uh, uh, I had been doing uh, a Psalm, and uh, the latter Psalms there... Uh, Dealing with praise, you remember those. You can see, if you uh, open your Bible maybe this week, uh, see how that the last five psalms start uh, there with the same subject matter. Well, notice the writer, uh, the Lord, uh, uh, says that we can shout, okay? The Hebrew word for shout is referred to as a glad noise. Well... Uh, when we come before him, uh, whether we shout or whether we do that in more quiet senses, it is a beautiful opportunity 
uh, for us to give thanks to the King of Kings uh, and the Lord of Lords. Again, the writer talks about doing this. The people of God are to do this loudly because we are happy that He is our God. Are you glad for God having chosen us? Having chosen us, brought us into His kingdom? Uh, oh, my friend, we have so much uh, to be thankful for. Everyone has been uh, birthed into this life by someone else. Uh, I do not know all of your upbringings. I do not know your parentage. Uh, but the reality is uh, that uh, we were brought into life. But secondly, that there is only one giver of life, and that is the Lord himself. And we are to be extremely grateful to him. So he said, let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Is it uh, telling us that it doesn't matter what culture you were born in or what continent you were born on or uh, regardless of what your worship style may be? He said one of the key ingredients should be that we are willing uh, to praise the Lord there. Uh, with shouts of praise, okay? He talked about one of their children was born in Thailand. Now, you've already gathered, if you didn't know, uh, that this uh, guy that's writing, they were missionaries, uh, and talked about uh, their being born in Thailand. One of the kids were, and they stayed there a little longer to get some of the better health care that was uh, at their disposal while there. Although he said uh, we had been living in Asia for a while, and there are some unique curiosities to every different culture, he said when they went to a movie theater for their first time there, they were surprised by the nice, plush, reclining chairs. But what happened before the movie was what challenged his thinking. He said just before the movie, uh, started, a loud orchestra began playing, and everyone jumped to their feet, responded likewise. He said they did as quick as they could, but they were not quite as fast as the others. And it took them, he said it didn't take us long to understand. We were all standing, and why it was so important. The brief biography of the king of Thailand began playing on the screen. Now take a note, that's before every movie at the theater. And, it's, and the writer says the reason they did that is they loved their king. Now, friend, think about it. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that, as the writer brings it up, fits well with what we see in the psalm. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. So, again, we have a king, right? And if we love our king, the the uh, challenge there is to do the same, whether we stand to our feet and proclaim that or dip into our loudest voice and proclaim that, we should be giving the Lord praise there for who He is. In the psalm, the writer said, we see a call not to just the people of one country, but all the other peoples. I am so grateful that God didn't just choose our country as a place there to make manifest salvation, aren't you? Every culture 
And when I started to use the word deserve, none of us deserve him. But the reality is, if he's going to serve, or if he's going to call one of our countries or one culture, he calls us all. And I'm so glad for that. So with all of this in mind, he said, shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, service uh, has long been uh, a continuous theme to we Christians as well, has it not? Especially among we Baptists. You know, we like to talk not just about our worship, but also about our service. From time to time, I say something like this. When somebody unites with our church, I say to the church that they want to unite with us in worship and work. Why? Because those are two things that God has left for the believers uh, that we might engage in. Now, on page 116, the writer is talking about we can serve. Sometimes that word is translated worship. Worship leads to service, and true service is uh, worship. Now, every day we should have opportunity to do something for the king, should we not? We should have something uh, uh, to say, quite possibly, or someone to serve. We sure should never minim excuse me, minimize service. However, we have to take note there that service is an act of worship itself. And he alludes to that and makes reference to Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the passage we call the Great Commission, when he said, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them. So we know he emphasizes strongly the reality of service and serving others. The second verse in that says, Serve the Lord with gladness uh, and come before him with joyful songs. Uh, Okay, uh, we can come. What a beautiful reality. Come before him. The psalm overall described God's people coming into God's temple. Now, it's beautiful when we recognize uh, that where we're sitting this morning is not, is not the place that God dwells, okay? It's the place where Christians come together that we worship him as King of kings and Lord of lords. One of the most beautiful explanations of the fact that uh, the temple wasn't the, wasn't the dwelling place of the Lord was when Solomon's temple was built. You remember? The Lord uh, there acknowledged, or Solomon acknowledged as well, that this building can't contain you. It is a place where we can meet, a place where we can worship, a place we can offer our thanksgiving unto you, but let's remember, God don't live here, okay? You ride through the various uh, places uh, in uh, our state, in our country, uh, and, and you will find that uh, there were older church buildings that were, uh, whatever for whatever reason, they were closed, they have been disbanded, and as a reality, those buildings are decaying, but God doesn't change, see? We meet one another as we meet together in worship. Now, the writer said we can come, come before his presence there. 
and uh, he alludes to that in his writing. He said, it is true that you can certainly worship God by yourself, but when we come together, we encourage each other. As I hear you express your thanks to God, he said, it gives me yet another reason to thank and praise him, vice versa. In the mutual sharing of thanks, our praise to him only grows. You know, isn't it well when we're together uh, how God encourages us, makes it almost like a contagious spirit, one lifting another up, and then there's another lifting up two more. And the Hebrew writer said it well when he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is. And he said, especially as we see the day approaching, I sure hope you encourage by being at the Lord's house today even. And then because of this, you are encouraging someone else, and so prayerfully am I. Come before, he said, his presence there with gladness and joyful songs, okay? Anybody have a thought there on verse 1 and 2? Any of you? It's a short psalm. Now, we're looking at five verses, but it is packed with uh, dynamite for sure. Now, look at verse number 3. He said, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are His, His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Now, all of the, all of the emphasis there is basically on God, is it not? Yes, there's the reminder of who we are, but the greater reminder is who God is. And we could never exhaust our uh, abilities to be able to just lift up uh, our Lord. The writer again said, Nothing in life is more important for us to do than to know or acknowledge God. By including this word, the psalmist reminded us that our thanksgiving to God must engage our minds and our hearts. We must know the one to whom we give thanks. That's pretty understandable there, is it not? Fairly elementary. We would hope that we're acknowledging the one of whom we've learned. Now, from our earliest years, some of us were carried to worship, brought to the place of worship, and a part of us doesn't know any different. Now, I meet some great people. I have some great friends who were not... Uh, brought up in the church, but boy, when they were introduced to Jesus, they fell in love with Jesus, and from the time that they come to know him, they were very avid worshipers, and I would like to think today that's the reference uh, that he wants in our life, acknowledge uh, that the Lord is God. He made us. When I begin to look at this latter part of verse 3, I was reminded of some of the things that Paul would say in the Corinthian letter in the New Testament. You remember Paul said, What? Know you not? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which is the Lord's. Is it well that we sort of take a, uh, a deep look at ourselves sometime in reference to who we are 
and also in reference to who God is, uh, that we might come away with a great appreciation for God having invited us into his family. Now, the writer makes a reference back to Acts chapter 17. If you remember Paul, when he went into the area of Athens, Paul noticed something that was uh, off base there. And he said what it was is they had erected an altar there in Athens, uh, and the inscription said, to the unknown God. For no wonder today how many places they are that people might have, not that they've erected or not that they have inscribed on it the unknown God, but I wonder is there possibly people and things that are happening that are very similar to Athens? See, if we're worshiping but we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping an unknown God. We have acknowledged that there's something worth worship. But oh, let's go back and let's stay elementary with this thing. And let's acknowledge that He is God. The Lord is God. And He alone is the one that is worthy of our worship and praise. I can hardly ever teach a psalm like this when, I, when some of the songs that we've sang in our worship and through our worship all of our lives don't just sort of come back, you know. Because it'll cause you to evaluate what we say in music to what, we, to what we read in Scripture. And we always know this. We need everything we say and do to have a scriptural base to that, okay? And the reason being because it is focused there on our God. Now, look on page 118. He brings out two things about our God. First of all, God is our creator. Our creator goes back to the very foundation, does it not, of everything. In the beginning, God, Genesis 1.1. You can't go further back than that, folks. People want to know where God came from. That's as far as I can carry them. Seriously. Had a mother call me one time. That was our first church we were pastoring. She called one evening and she said, hey, pastor, we need you to come over. I said, what's up? She said, my kids are asking questions I can't answer. I said, well, what are the questions? She said, they want to know where God came from. I said, well, just tell them the pastor can't help them either. That's right. He was, he is, and he always will be because of that, we recognize we know Genesis 1 and 2 gives a beautiful description of creation. And then especially that he created man in his image. Some people, the writer said, think we have no creator and choose to rely on science alone to explain our existence. In doing so, though, everything becomes cold and mechanical and any notion of purpose in life is lost. When you meet someone who considers himself atheist, what, comes, what, what good can you help them with if they say two things? I don't believe there's a God and I don't believe Scripture. What you going to talk about? Talk about Friday night's football game. You're just as well off because they're not going to believe anything else you say. Now, that might sound rude and crude, but seriously, 
if they're not going to be open to Scripture and then likewise be open to the Creator, I don't have really anything to help them with. Notice, not only did the writer bring out God as our Creator, but he also said God is our Shepherd. Now, the New Testament, if I wanted to share with you about God being the Shepherd, I would carry you to John 10. However, we're not studying the New Testament. Let's look at what he says here. Acknowledging God as only as creator can make him seem distant and uninvolved. But God is also our shepherd. And we're the sheep of his pasture. The scripture helps us to see. We are his. Regardless of what may come our way, we're still his circumstances will not always be kind but God is unchanging amen yes some have some hard circumstances and friend the reality of that is that God being the shepherd greatly cares for his sheep and that's why I think the 23rd psalm is so precious to us we somehow attach ourselves to the shepherd's care for us and his provision for us. Look at verse 4 and 5 now. It said, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. Enter into his gates. Well, uh, the writer, and again I allude to what uh, he says there, says he used three strong imperatives uh, in the invitation. Enter, give thanks, and bless. So that's three action phrases, is it not? Now, that alone proves that our worship uh, there is engaging, does it not? Now, because of this, he said, enter. That is the first opportunity that he brings to our attention there. Uh, the writer again says... Uh, uh, this could uh, turn to the corporate gathering of God's people applied to Christians. This can be seen as an exhortation for us to gather as a church. Now, we know there's many emphases throughout Scripture uh, that encourage us to do that. Enter His gates. Now, uh, surely uh, there is an illusion or a reference there possibly to get us to see the gates of the city. You remember, Jerusalem had her gates there for protection. Maybe that's the reason that gates there is used as a reference point. Uh, but then we move on from the enter. We would compare it to what you've done already today. You made a conscious choice to come to this place. You entered the doors of... Uh, of this place, uh, and the reasoning behind that is to give thanks. Uh, now, giving thanks can be expressed in many ways, can it not? We'll see uh, again that 
We can do that through song. We can do that through prayer. We can do that through uh, testimony. We can do that through conversation uh, in whatever way that you choose there. However, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts uh, with praise. Now, if we could visualize the Jewish temple, uh, there would be various courts there. You've got a court of the Gentiles. Where, only, where Gentiles can go no further. You've got various other sections. But he said when you enter this place, enter the courts with praise there. Now, he said there, verse 5 gives us three specific traits of God. When he said give thanks to, give thanks to him and bless his name, then he gives us three things we can look at there. First of all, God is good. Now, we've, we know that, do we not? We've put that in a little chorus and we sing that, do we not? But I wonder if when we're singing, we're really counting the various ways that we know God is good. Now, uh, sometimes it would do us well to go back to the toddler rooms. Why? Because as my wife is in there with some of them now teaching them, she may, or when I get home for lunch today, she might tell me what one of their little innocent prayers was like. You know, they just let it out, don't they? They just say it. Sometimes we try to flavor it or color it. But anyway, God is good. When's God good? All the time. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes it doesn't quite feel like God's good, does it? But let's base it on the fact and not the feeling. Yes, we live in a culture that places so much emphasis on feeling. But let's place our emphasis on the fact God is good all the time. God is love. God isn't about love, is he? God isn't teaching us love necessarily. God is love. And if we are his and he is ours, there's one thing that we should be, and that is we should be people of love as well. God's faithful love endures forever. God has many attributes, but nothing demonstrates the heart of God for us like his love. I love those two phrases. And third, God is faithful. The same God who was there for the saints of old is the same as today. We can look back to times of God's faithfulness in our past for courage as we look to our future. Then, for those of you who have a book or a quarterly, the writer uh, gave a good long paragraph there about looking uh, back at their times of application for the mission board. And in that particular time that they were making application, the selection process, their paperwork got lost. They were encouraged to seek another place of ministry. They discovered that their child who was on the way uh, was miscarried. And just a short week, or just a few short weeks now from childbirth, he said had their confidence been placed in circumstances or wisdom, we would have reconsidered our plan to move overseas. Instead, God gave us such a sense of peace 
that he had things under control. In fact, my wife came through this period of testing with a renewed confidence that our children belong to God and their lives are in his hands. Folks, severe testing tests the best of our faith. Let's don't ever try to imply otherwise. But the reality is the faithfulness of God, might it be that very hold that we have on who he is and what he does. I close reading the writer's last paragraph, God is good. He is love. He is faithful. He said, as a result, every generation can enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. His goodness, love, faithfulness lead us to give thanks to him and bless his name. Aren't you glad our forefathers, our founding fathers, saw fit early in their pilgrimage when America was being established, saw fit to establish at least a day in which we could recognize as thanksgiving now, I'm sure it doesn't have the same impact with many that it had with them. But friend, let's, let's not let Thanksgiving slip by us. And, and neither should we let it just be a one day out of 365 other days that we do all of our Thanksgiving on that day. No, folks, we'd be very wrong. Let's be thankful at all things, at, or for all things at all times. Thank you so much. I've got a new book for y'all. This There's one more Sunday in the month. Am I right? Next Sunday. But now these, these are new quarterlies that will start the first Sunday in December. Mr. Benny, you want to take some of these, brother, and uh, get them out for the folks? Get your quarterly. Uh, we, we surely have more out in the hallway, so... Get you uh, one and be served, okay? I apologize that we gave out earlier in the month for those who might have wanted one of the current ones, but this next, this next passage, let me go ahead and give that to you for those who may not have a quarterly. We're going to be looking, okay, in Genesis chapter 22. Confidence uh, in times of testing. Confidence in times of testing. And uh, that's where we'll be next Sunday, Genesis 22. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Get you some water, and we'll be back in here to start in a few minutes, okay?